Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, May the 14th, 2022. It is currently 10, 12 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, or sometimes, as I say, I'm coming to you live two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas, and I am so glad you've taken some time to listen in. I'm I'm glad you've taken some time to join us. Now, if you heard the last live broadcast, if you heard part one of this kind of mini-series, then I know the anticipation must be killing you right now. The anticipation must be high. This must be the most anticipated podcast episode you have ever waited for. Okay, well, maybe maybe not that, but there, there has to be some anticipation if you listen to part one, because in part one, we, we made it right to a, a dramatic turning point, and then we had to stop. And today, we try to bring this series to a dramatic conclusion a life-changing conclusion, one that you are going to tell everyone about. Okay, okay, once again, a little bit of hyperbole, but we are going to try to bring this to some type of a conclusion. I honestly cannot tell you how dramatic the conclusion is going to be because if you are not aware, whenever we're doing a sermon review, I don't listen to the sermons in advance The reason I don't do that is because I feel like then I'm simply rehearsing my responses, and I don't like that. I like to make it feel like that we're just listening to something together and then just discussing it in real time. So yesterday, we started reviewing a sermon, and this is the way this all went down, just so that you know. This is the way it happened. Someone on Discord posted a a sermon entitled, Compelled. Speaking and living the gospel, compelled, speaking and living the gospel. The person speaking is Tim Mackey, and he's from the Bible Project, right? Now, if you know, the Bible Project is pretty well known. It, it's pretty much all over the place. Their, their material shows up in so many different locations. It's been, I would say the Bible Project has been extremely influential. So if you see someone from the Bible Project, who's preaching a sermon, okay, that that's some, that that gets your attention right there. And when I started listening to it, there was just something about his style that kind of intrigued me and made me want to keep listening. So I immediately stopped and said, okay, we will review this together. And it has been very interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do my best to just try to summarize everything. Because it's it's really a tell of two sermons. And and I, I don't know if everyone agrees with me, but it seems that and, and I only say this from the, the a preacher's perspective, so many times you 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 have the sermon that you're going to preach. Let's say whatever your sermon is going to be. In this particular case, let's say he wants to preach a sermon about the gospel, what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. Right? That seems to be his ultimate thesis. However, he started his sermon with really talking about the fact that as a Christian, 
we should just naturally want to talk about Jesus and the gospel because you naturally talk about the things you love. If you naturally love something, you're just going to be compelled to talk about it. If you love something, you're going to have an excitement for it and you're naturally going to be talking about it, which could be a sermon in and of itself. Why do some Christians not seem compelled to talk about it? Like, there's a lot of different uh, things, a lot of sub points, and he could have fleshed it out and turned it into a sermon in and of itself. But he spent about, I think we said 14 minutes, 15 minutes. It may have been as much as 16 minutes. Um, it, it was a good, it had to be at least a good 14 minutes, really kind of talking about that. He went through this elaborate illustration about these uh, places that sell tacos in Portland, Oregon, and how amazing it was. He, I mean, he really fleshed out his illustration that as a Christian, you should be compelled to talk about that which you love. It, it, it should just be a natural thing. And then after spending all of that time, boom, hard transition. Like, I mean, when I say a hard transition, it just seems like you're, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden just like you're doing 70 miles an hour and boom, you just pull the steering wheel hard to the right and you almost flip the car, right? It just feels like it was that just a dramatic change because then he wanted to say, look, here's the thing. We live in a day and age where people have a lot of misconceptions, misunderstandings about what the gospel is and about Jesus, so I'm going to preach today explaining to you one of those misconceptions, one of those things people don't understand. So we, so you see how it feels like two separate sermons? Now, I, I'm not, I don't want to criticize someone for that because I've done the same thing a million times. Multiple pastors do that because a lot of times you have, you have your sermon kind of ready to go, but you're hopefully as a pastor, as a Sunday school teacher, anyone who does any kind of Bible teaching, Hopefully, you're constantly being fed all the time. You're listening to sermons, you're reading books, you're spending time doing devotional studies, you're doing, um, you know, Bible studies on your own. So you're constantly feeding yourself spiritually, and a lot of times you're like, here's my sermon, but man, this was really good this week, and you've, you, you almost want to add it to your sermon, which is always detriment. It, it, it can just make the sermon seem disjointed. I've been guilty of it a million times, so in no way, shape, or form, Am I trying to offer any criticism there? I'm just pointing out that it felt really disjointed. And in his mind, he may have felt that the two things were related. But it, but by it's hindsight's always easier. So so listening to the sermon now, to me, what I feel like is he should have just started the sermon going, hey, can you think of all of the misunderstandings and misrepresentations found in the culture about Jesus and about the gospel. And then just either have some people shout some out or show a list of four or five common misconceptions, misunderstandings of the gospel. And then say, today I'm going to preach about one. That would have seemed to be the better way to introduce it, but he, he had a different approach. I can understand, right? Because I've done the same thing. So, we talked about that. Now, once the sermon started, it gets a little troubling here. And we don't know how this is going to conclude. We're getting ready to find out. But he, remember, we're listening to the audio of something that was clearly a video sermon that had a video 
that that had a visual element to the sermon because he has basically like a board behind him that he has drawn out kind of an illustration, right? And basically it has, and he's kind of standing in the way, so I can't see everything here. But basically you have earth, right? And then you have us or me, right? As an individual. Now, basically the way he says, he says this is the misrepresentation. So we're on earth, here we are. And now based off as he, and he, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but this is pretty close to what he said. Now you live on this earth. And as you live on this earth, Based on what you do or don't do, based on what you believe or don't believe, when you finally get to the end of this life on earth, you will go to heaven or hell. Now, I can understand if you're going to try to say that one of the big misunderstandings of the gospel is because some people have turned it into a workspace gospel. Okay, we could we could applaud there, but it's the fact that he added Based on what you believe or don't believe, you go to heaven or hell. Well, I think most Christians would agree that, wait a minute, yeah, if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't go to heaven if you reject Jesus. But so that's what's made me a little nervous is he seems that he's almost like, no, that whole concept of is, is a misrepresentation. Then he went to the gospel of Mark. He didn't really give us a lot in the gospel of Mark. He just, he took random verses from the gospel of Mark. Let's see if I can find the main one he quoted. Um, he, let's see if I can try to go through the basic ones he gave. Mark chapter one. So he says, in the beginning, uh, the beginning, Mark chapter one, verse one, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, or as he tried to emphasize the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. So he says, like, this is the beginning of the good news as it is written in the prophets so that the good news had been written in the past to the prophets and a messenger had been sent to prepare the way for the coming of this good news. Then he, verse 15, he quoted, he, he skipped everything else between verse 2 and 15. Then 15, it says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So he seems to indicate that the gospel is the good news of the kingdom coming to earth. That's the good news. Not the good news of, he didn't seem to describe the good news as Jesus dying for our sins. He didn't completely deny that. He seemed to just really focus on the good news is the coming of the, the kingdom comes to us. We don't go to it. All right. I don't know exactly where he's going with it. It, it seems a little concerning because so do we have to believe it, it's all, it, there's almost a feeling at, at least at this point. There's a, there's at least a concern in my mind that he's about to walk into full-blown universalism where just basically God saves everybody. I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that's where he's going. That is my concern. There's some red flags leading me to this, but we're just going to jump back in. So he, so in his mind, this whole idea that you live your life on earth and based, based on what you do or don't do, or based on what you believe or don't believe, you go to heaven or hell, that's a misrepresentation and that's not the gospel. 
and he's trying to articulate what the gospel is. And he seems that what he's trying to say, the gospel is the coming of the kingdom where the kingdom and earth overlap one another. That seems to be, and I don't, it's still very vague. I still don't quite understand the concept, but we're going to try to unpack it and see. Uh, now, uh, in this sermon, this was being preached at Black Hawk Church in Wisconsin, uh, which looks like kind of your multi-site, large evangelical type of church, just your kind of typical evangelical kind of church. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know where this is going. I am concerned. Uh, I don't know. And, and I'm trying to be careful because uh, the person who shared this, they, they said, this is wild. And then underneath that, they put denying hell pretty sure. I'm trying not to let that cloud my, I, I don't want that, that to create a, a perception in my mind where I'm hearing that. So I'm trying to just set that aside and listen to it. But I, I have to be honest, I'm getting a little concerned. Where is this going? So we made it pretty far last night. We're going to jump back in and we're going to, no matter how long this takes, we're going we're gonna to conclude this. Because it's Saturday, and that means there's tomorrow we get we get back to all of the normal teaching. We have a lot to do, so we just need to. We, no matter how long this takes, just bear with me. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ride this train until we reach the hopefully dr- the dramatic conclusion of this journey. And uh, well, we're just gonna jump in. He's basically articulating what's not the gospel, and again, it's this idea that we're on Earth, and based on what we. Again, he, 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 he merges two concepts. What you do and don't do, that determines heaven or hell, or what you believe or don't believe determines heaven or hell. And he merges those two concepts together as both, both being wrong and not the gospel. And then he's getting ready to play a video uh, that he made to try to explain more what the gospel actually is. And you'll notice when he's done playing it, there is applause. Maybe I'm sorry. Maybe I'm cynical, but I have seen this so many times. I've seen someone they'll they'll post something on say social media. Maybe it's from you know John Piper. It could be for some some preacher that they think is amazing. And you'll watch the video and you'll be like, okay, so exactly what what are they trying to say? It seems vague or. I don't know, but people are like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then you, then you corner them and say, well, what's amazing about it? What is it saying? And then you realize you don't even really understand what it's saying, but you're just saying it's amazing because you think it, you're supposed to. Or someone will attend a Christian concert and the Christian singer will say something like, that's so amazing. Like, what was amazing about it? And then you'll realize they can't really articulate What's so amazing about it? So the fact that people are applauding, I wish I could stop and go, what are you applauding for? What makes that so great? What do you think this is saying? Because I'm still perplexed at what he's trying to say, but we we will see. So we're going to just jump in. I back this up a little bit um, to try to provide a little bit of context, but there's never, I always say this, I, I... Sometimes I hate in sermon reviews where we have to break it down into multiple parts because there's never an easy way to ease back into it. There really isn't. We just have to kind of just walk to the edge of the pool and jump in. So if you missed part one, this may be a little abrupt. Just be prepared. I'm about to push you into the pool. 
So you'll be shocked a little bit, may not really understand, may, may, may take you a minute to, to gather yourself, but just stay with me and hopefully we can bring this to, it won't be as a dramatic conclusion if you didn't listen to part one, but hopefully, well, we're going to find out exactly, maybe, maybe we're going to understand what the gospel is or isn't according to Tim Mackey from the Bible Project. And this was preached, we don't know the year, Black Hawk Church, Wisconsin. Here we go. This is a story that focuses on me and my behavior and whether I'm good or bad enough or do do or don't know the right information about Jesus or something. That's not the gospel, and that's certainly not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is about not my behavior as the focus. It's about God's activity and God's purposes and what God is doing in our world through Jesus that is good news for our world. You guys with me here? And what is that? And it's that God's kingdom God's reign and his rule over our world has arrived in the person of Jesus. Which means that Jesus is here to address some kind of problem. And he's going to resolve this problem through what he does in the next, you know, pages that you're going to read in the Gospel of Mark. And that. And you'll notice he kind of keeps saying the gospel is the rule and reign of Christ come to earth. The gospel is the rule and reign of Christ come to the earth. This seems to be the concept that the gospel is the, the coming of the kingdom. All right. That, I, you, you, I don't know. Does that make you a little nervous? Does that make you go, well, wait a minute. Isn't the gospel the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot here that I, I just don't, I can't say, whoa, that's completely wrong. But I can't say, whoa, that's completely right. I can't say good. I can't say bad. All I can say is, "Mm -hmm, wait, okay, come on, come on, clarify. And what bothers me is he spent so much time at the beginning of the sermon talking about something that I don't think is even related to the actual sermon topic. So he's he's, he's lost a lot of time to really unpack this. So I'm hoping that before we're done, he's going to unpack it enough that there, it, there's no ambiguity. We're going to know exactly what he thinks, exactly what he believes the gospel is, exactly what he believes the gospel isn't, and exactly what he believes about heaven and hell. Because if he doesn't, I'm going to be very frustrated, and it's not going to, this is not going to end with a dramatic conclusion. It's going to end with, wait, what? Wait, I, I don't know. So let, let's, well, let's hope we get there. Here we go. That is the good news. And it's a different story than this one right here. So the kingdom of God, um, you can read about Jesus talks all the time about the kingdom of God. Uh, if you read the gospel according to Matthew that comes right uh, b- before Mark, um, Jesus will call it the kingdom of God or also sometimes what? The kingdom of heaven. He- kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus used both terms. And the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is not somewhere that you go after you die. It's something that has arrived in Jesus. Now, I'm going to um, draw something a little more, but first... Now, please note, he's, he once again emphasizes the kingdom is not someplace we go. So he's not even seemingly, he's seemingly to not, like the focus is not on the eternal kingdom of God. It's the kingdom that arrived with Jesus. So the gospel is the kingdom arriving, the kingdom here. And you're like, so what are you, where, I, I, I'm just trying to unpack that, but we will see. 
Now, when he keeps referring to drawing something, again, he's got a board behind him, right? So that the visual part, we're, we're missing a little bit, but I think, I'm hoping we're going to be able to figure this out without the visual. Uh, I'm not, because I'm not, I've, I've just got the audio. I don't have the video in front of me. So hopefully we don't lose anything. Um, we, we'll just have to see. All right, but here we go. I just, there's a, a simpler way to do this. Um, a friend, a friend and I, in Portland, made uh, a video to try and help kind of explore and un- unpack this. Do you want to see it? Okay, so he, him and a friend in Portland made a video to unpack this. This seems to be a video that tries to articulate, I guess, what they think the gospel is versus, I guess, a misconception of what the gospel is, which I, you, you have to stop and just ask yourself, isn't it kind of funny that, that within Christianity, we all have the same Bible, but there's a lot of different versions of the gospel, which you, I think, I think we have to at least take the moment to read this. I think we have to take a moment to read this. I am not saying that he's guilty of doing what I'm about to read, but I think it's very important that we never forget this. All right. Because if, if, if we, if we forget this, we're, we're in trouble. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. You probably know this. Galatians 1, 6. Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul makes it very clear that there's one gospel. There's one gospel. So it's maddening that sometimes you're like, no, that's not the gospel. This is the, this is the gospel. And everyone seems to think that their gospel is the right gospel and other people's gospel is the wrong gospel. But you would think within the body of Christ, we should all agree on one gospel. So he seems to be saying that's not the gospel. This idea that you're on earth and then depending on what you believe or don't believe is going to determine heaven or hell. That's supposedly not the gospel. The gospel is the kingdom of God coming to earth in Jesus Christ. Okay, so is it possible that he is rightly condemning one misrepresentation or misconception about the gospel, and as he's rightly pointing that one out, he's providing an equally wrong understanding of the gospel? I'm not saying—I don't know. We'll we'll just have to see. He's going to say a lot of things that sound good in this video, but— I don't know. We're going to have to see what he does after it. Here we go. We listened to this last night, so, but I wanted to play it again, so here we go. Great. So let's watch that. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains, but my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, 
But here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is now, I'm going to stop right here. I didn't. I did not interrupt it last night, but I'm going to interrupt it today. Um, I'm what what I guess is somewhat. I'm I'm, I'm somewhat perplexed about because he clearly wants us to say, "Here's a wrong understanding of the gospel." So here's the right understanding of the gospel, and so then then we transition to a video that's discussing that there's God space and human space. And that really these spaces overlap one another. And this is somehow connected with a right understanding of the gospel, right? And, and this is like living in the gospel is, is kind of part of the message title. So the gospel has something to do with God's space and human space overlapping. Now, I think most would agree, well, wait a minute, this is not the typical kind of terminology that we probably used to use in churches or in preaching or in theology. So that can make me a little nervous because you're like, well, wait a minute, why are you using kind of these different, this different terminology? But I'm all willing to listen to different terminology or fresh terminology or new terminology as long as it articulates, well, biblical, eternal truth. If it if it moves us away from that, I'm concerned. Because again, there's one gospel. So if you if you deviate from the true gospel, which then you end up with not the true gospel, well, then you're anathema. You're damned according to, to Paul. So this is a serious, like it, it may seem like, well, it's not that big a deal. No, because he's kind of articulated that, hey, that's not the gospel. So he's, whether... He's implied, if not stated it explicitly, there's a wrong gospel. He's going to give us the true gospel. And then the next thing you know, we have a discussion about God space and human space overlapping. And you're like, okay, where, where is the gospel in this? Now, he's getting ready to say some things that, that you're going to be like, okay, amen. That sounds good. I just don't know where he's taking it. So just, we'll, we'll just have to try to flesh this out. It's kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other 
was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this. Now I'm going to interrupt. And I would just, if, if I was at church or sitting in a seminary classroom or a Bible Institute classroom and I had students in front of me, I would probably ask a question. You know, I don't write, I typically don't write on a board, but I could possibly write on a board. Is the message of the Bible the reuniting of heaven and earth? Is that the message? Is that the gospel? The gospel is the reuniting of heaven and earth. Now, it would be, it would be good. It reminds me of my days way back in Papillion, Nebraska on a Saturday where um, typically my first, the first Bible Institute I went to was in uh, Papillion, Nebraska. And I'd get there at eight o'clock in the morning and be there till five in the evening for an hour with an hour break for lunch, being there all day on a Saturday in the Bible Institute. I, those memories are absolutely, I love those, those days. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's a Saturday morning. It just makes me remember being right there in that church and in Papillion, Nebraska, all day just studying the Bible and talking about the Bible. This would be a great conversation to have with a bunch of people in the Bible Institute. Is the story of the Bible, the reuniting of heaven and earth, is the gospel, the good news of the reuniting of heaven and earth? It sounds super spiritual. Now, this, this is, we'll get practical here. Sometimes you have to, this, this has occurred in, in numerous times throughout church history. Sometimes you have these speakers who can take concepts and make them sound so profound, so deep, so spiritual that you're just immediately drawn to it. You're like, man, that sounds so good. It is so spiritual. You're like, man, awesome. Praise God. And, and, but it may turn out to be completely wrong, completely fraudulent. And, and misguided and misleading. And then you may have someone who doesn't make things sound so deep and spiritual. They're just very plain spoken, very simple, very straightforward. In many cases, we may just look down on that person as, well, they're not as articulate. They're not as deep. They don't sound as intelligent. So we view them as maybe less authoritative, but maybe they're actually staying very true to the word of God. I think sometimes we can be greatly influenced by style 
or how one presents something. And I started my, my whole discussion last night about this, about that very topic. How how much does your flesh get in the way and how you receive the preaching of God's word? Because sometimes I've heard people like, they'll listen to someone and like, well, yeah, that sounds so good. He, he came across so articulate, used big words. It was sounds so spiritual. But do you really understand what that person is saying? And they're just caught up in the presentation, not the actual truth. Everything he's saying here sounds so good that the story of the Bible is the reuniting of heaven and earth. That sounds so good, but is it? Because when I get to, well, close to the end of the Bible, is it the reuniting of heaven and earth? Or is it a new heaven and a new earth? Now, is that the reuniting of heaven and earth? Maybe it is, because God now will dwell amongst the people. I mean, I guess, but is that is that the gospel? It's just, he's, he's supposedly trying to give us the real gospel, but he's now just basically said the Bible is simply the story of the reuniting of heaven and earth. Okay, let's just see where it goes word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus? Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh...
Now, the people applaud. Yay! Okay. Now, again, it all sounded good. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm not saying it. I'm saying I'm just still trying to put together because he's trying to say, here's this misconception of what the gospel is, but here's what the gospel really is. It's the reuniting of heaven and earth where God's space and man's space or, or God's space and, and, and earth space all now overlap and they come together. Okay. That sounds good. I don't think that's typical language we use, but that's okay, as long as it's conveying a biblical concept. So the gospel is the reuniting of heaven and earth, or reuniting God's space with man's space. Okay? I I can kind of see where we can go with this, but I don't know... I don't want to commit and say yes, but I don't want to immediately say, whoa, wait a minute, you're wrong. I, I've got to give him the opportunity to flesh this out. He doesn't have much time left. Let's see where he takes this now. In other words, I would be I would be hesitant to applaud. Um, I would just be like, hmm, interesting. Where are you going? So let's let's wait and see where he, where this ends up. A couple things. Is that helpful? So I, where is it's one of these things where we're trying to change our whole sense of what the story of, of the Bible is, and that's a slow, sometimes un- uncomfortable process. Um, a, quick, a quick side note, and I feel awkward doing this, but Chris and other Paul, people here, Paul and so on, like, are forcing me to say this right now. So that, the video is one example of a, of a project that I'm working on. You saw the name at the end there called The Bible Project, and it's with a, a friend from college, actually, uh, John, who is the other voice, and uh, we've uh, started uh, a, a year ago, well, two years ago, but we released it a year ago, um, a non-profit creative studio that's creating animated shorts about the Bible and, and Christian theology and so on, and um, we've, it all lives on YouTube, which is this thing that the kids are doing these days or whatever, <laughs> so, anyway, so YouTube, and uh, it lives on YouTube, and you could just Google the Bible Project or whatever, and we've, we're making lots of videos. There's a whole bunch. You can just go binge and watch them all if you want, and uh, we're going to make about 60 more in, in the next 18 months here, and we're really excited. We're making a video for each book of the Bible, showing its design, but also how it all unites into the unified story of the Bible, and then we're also creating videos that take like an idea like heaven or God's holiness or the Messiah or something, and we follow it from page one all the way. Okay, now this is just weird that you're going to promote this right in the middle of your sermon. I mean, I, I am, like, I'm still trying to figure out, you're trying to fix a, a supposed big misconception of what the gospel isn't. You're trying to give me what the gospel is. And in the middle of this, we've got to get a promotion time, a commercial for your project. Now, if you've ever watched the Bible Project videos, they are very well done. They're very well done, very well produced. It, it, it shows people using their creative ability and talents to try to do something and conveying what the message of the Bible is. So I got nothing but applaud for that. It just seems like that you could wait to the end of the sermon or you. it just seems like a weird time to do this because I'm like, you just showed this video saying, see, is that helpful? See, that's that's the real story. Oh, by the way, we, we have a YouTube channel. Hey, by the way, we're making video. <laughs> it just seems so like... It would, it would be like in the middle of one of my sermons, I stop in the middle of one of my sermons and go, oh, by the way, 
the Theology Central podcast is now available on all podcasting platforms. It would be just like in the middle. And I'm, there's probably been some time I've done something. I've been guilty of something like that. But it just, I, I try to, a lot of times when I talk about my, uh, if I've got to say anything about the podcast, a lot of times what I'll do is I turn the mic off and I'm like, okay, don't record. And then before the sermon, I will say, hey, here's the latest developments going on with the podcast. Here's what we're doing. And then I'll go into the sermon. And I don't even allow that to be aired. Like, I don't even do that during our live streaming of the sermon. I don't even do that there. I, I do that just for the members of the church. I don't even talk about it there. So, um, because it just seems odd to add it to a sermon, but... It, it it would be one thing to do at the beginning or the end. It's another thing to do it 29 minutes into your sermon. You stop and cut a promo for your for your your project. It seems odd, but but okay. Uh, the thing is, I hope it doesn't take too much time doing this because I still don't know if I truly understand. Remember the the thesis of the sermon is there are misconceptions out there about basically the gospel and Christianity, and he's going to fix it. I still don't know if I really understand what the misunderstanding is versus the correct understanding. And he's now taking time out of his sermon to do a commercial. Hopefully he'll get through the commercial and we can get back to so that we know exactly what the problem is and exactly what the solution is. Went through to the last page of the Bible showing how it's all one one unified story. Um, and the fun thing about it is that the, the heart of the whole thing was to make them and just give them away for free to every, the whole world, right, through YouTube. And um, so, so that's awesome. So we're doing that. They're not free to make, however. And so this is our great experiment, is that we said if people find them valuable, we'll ask them to help us make them. And so that's what's happening. So, you know, some of you might be feeling manipulated right now. I feel manipulated by myself right now. So basically, let's just get right to it. If you want us to make more videos, give us money. <laughs> and we'll make a lot more videos. And so in the middle of a sermon <laughs> about something as serious as fixing misconceptions about the gospel, you're you're going to turn it into not only promoting your videos as an opportunity to ask money for your videos. That would be like me in the middle of a sermon tomorrow saying, hey, we'd like you to know about this project. We call it the Theology Central Podcast. It's now one of the top 10% podcasts in, in the world. We, we, we fall above to over 2 million other podcasts. And we want you to know that we make all of our episodes free. And if you are listening today to this live stream, we want you to know that you can go to the donate tab on the Church One app or theologycentral.net and you can, you can donate and we would greatly appreciate it. It just seems in the middle of a sermon? I don't know about something as serious as there's misconceptions out there about the gospel, but we're going to fix it. Does that not seem out of place to you? Is it just me? I, I don't know. I mean, now he's got like less than 14 minutes. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm hoping I wanted a big dramatic conclusion. It, it, the dramatic conclusion can't be a fundraising campaign. That would be not, that would be the worst dramatic conclusion in the history of dramatic conclusions. All right. So, 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting that. That's why I love doing the reviews like this because you just never know what's going to happen. See, I, I, I love doing this because I don't know what's going to happen. There's no safety net. So sometimes it's nerve wracking because I'm like, okay, man, hopefully there's something in this that I can talk about, but I would not have expected that 30 minutes into a sermon, a fundraising campaign breaks out. <laughs> Let's continue. And it's not, it doesn't go to me. I donate my time. Um, it goes to the artists, the, the six artists who are just churning, illustrators, animators, and they need to raise their families, but they've, God's given them talents to make this stuff, and it's awesome. So help us make them. If you want more people to see them, help us make them, and we'll make another one. And go to the website. There you go. My commercial's over. It's awkward. Over. Okay. So, so let's... Okay, yeah. 